Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, and today I'm bringing to you a special beginning to December. I say a special beginning because all November long, we simply focused on the things that we might be grateful for. I saw this throughout social media. I saw it in my feed. I saw it in my email inbox. Every time this happens, I'm struck by the fact that we seek to do this only in the month of November. So I've chosen to do something a little bit different. I've chosen to express my gratitude at the beginning of December with the first episode for December. There are many things that I am grateful for, notwithstanding my family, my job, my health, my ability to get up each day and do the things that I want to do, to be able to have the privilege to do those things, to be able to rescue the animals, even the late addition to my family, the three guinea pigs that I adopted for my boys, or to be able to sit here and think about how I'm going to be a better person in 2023. I have had the opportunity to interface with some incredible people through the course of my podcasting journey. And one of those people, she is just an amazing podcaster. Her name is Candace Rodart, and she has a podcast called Gratitude Geek. I mean, she's obviously someone who believes what I believe, that we need to be grateful throughout the year. Why else would she have a podcast called Gratitude Geek? And she's also the first podcaster, aside from my dear friend, Julie Loken, to invite me on her podcast for a second time. So as I commence December and this quieting of the year, this time when we pause and reflect when the days get shorter, and when we hopefully have time with our loved ones to rest and reflect together, to appreciate the value that one another bring to the table, I am expressing my gratitude for Candace. In my first appearance on her show, she asked me key questions about what it means to be regenerative, what it takes to build a regenerative brand, how I have integrated my personal beliefs into my professional life, and what that means for me. She's a thought-provoking host. And as a gratitude geek, she was so amazing in the fact that she sent me an appreciation gift after my appearance on her show. Salted caramels, a little coffee, a treat for me and for my kids. Wow, that was pretty amazing. Even a customized card which featured me and thanked me for sharing my expertise with her community. Being thankful goes a long way to helping one another live a little better each day. And so I've been talking about this with a gal I have working with me to support my social media efforts as we head forward. And we have decided to do something a little different in 2023 as well. So I wanted to share that with everyone as I prepare to share this singular episode with Candace Rodart, episode 113 of Gratitude Geek, which I'll play for you in just a moment here. 
But the idea we are spitballing, the thing that we're thinking about doing is basically sharing each week a challenge, a challenge for how you can integrate some of what you might learn listening to this show, a challenge for how you might live a little better each week or create a little bit more impact. I might share some simple facts like if you forewent blow drying your hair for a week, what it could mean in energy savings. Or if you just decided to stop going to Starbucks every morning on the way to work or to pick up your kids or to do whatever it is, the impact that you could have not only on your pocketbook, but your ability to pay forward a little cash to a charity you might care about. These are the sorts of topics that we're going to dig into. So I will encourage everyone who's listening to go ahead and follow Care More Be Better and social. You can find it on Instagram at caremore.bebetter, on Twitter at caremorebebetter, and just omitting that final E in better. And also on YouTube, caremorebebetter. You can find us there as well. Typically, my episodes also have a video element, though today's will not. I want for all of you to sit back and enjoy an episode in which I'm in the hot seat for once, and in which Candace invites me to think a little bit differently about just about everything. I think you'll enjoy the episode. And again, I want to say my, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for all of you for the ability to host this podcast, to connect with incredible people and to share their stories, and to hopefully put a little bit more good into the world every single day. Without further ado, here is Candice, the Gratitude Geek. Welcome to Gratitude Geek, the relationship marketing podcast, helping micropreneurs find your micro-influencer magic. I'm your host, Candice Rodardi, and this week I'm joined by Karina Belize. Karina is a natural products industry executive, mom of two young boys, and a podcaster who began her broadcasting journey as a guest on many nationally syndicated radio shows. In her role as an executive, she is a pioneer of new nutrition categories and an experienced media spokesperson. She is the host of two podcasts, Care More Better and Mediacasters. Welcome, Karina. Thanks so much for having me. It's my this joy is, to be here. I love it when I guess have great mics. Thank you for having a good mic. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's the little things that make a podcaster happy. So tell us your unique story. How'd you get to where you are? Well, I mean, everybody has a long story, but I think there is a common thread that started when I was born. And so I'll just give the one-two punch. I was born to hippie parents on a commune in Southern Oregon at home. And so I feel like I was born into the natural products industry. I was always really closely connected to food. We even, I have an early recollection of like my mom, like walking a goat into the kitchen to milk it in the morning for our cereal milk, like that sort of stuff, you know? So the type of world that I grew up in was a little bit different than most of my peers. And it meant that like when I even moved to California later and was in this midst of everybody working in high tech, like I, I went to high school in Cupertino, California, Apple computers home, like in the early 90s, right? Like everybody went into tech. I wanted to study anthropology. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And so I pursued that, right? Because I wanted to actually go and be an archaeologist, dig in the dirt, and then realized, holy crap, I'm not going to make a living doing this. <laughs> 
not only do professors hold on to their tenure by like their claws, right? It's male dominated. It costs a lot of money to go to grad school. I could eke out an existence just doing like these um, local area digs anytime they do a construction and find something. Or I could go to work for a while and see what happens. And so I went to work for a while to see what happens. And I ended up falling in love with the natural products industry. This, this industry I was born into in a way, um, developing a career in sales and marketing and ultimately becoming a pioneer and building multinational brands. Let's dig into this. What is a regenerative brand? Well, a regenerative brand is probably what most people think about when they think about a sustainable brand, right? Something that is going to be here for years to come that isn't going to take too much from the environment that is something that could be around for a long, long time. But the reality is this term has become a greenwash term and it's not real. Most of what we call sustainable isn't really sustainable at all. And if we continue down the path that we've been on, working from this really extractive perspective, a very capitalistic and extractive perspective, we're never going to get to a point where we're able to do things like control for future damage of the planet. And what we're ultimately doing is it's like we're borrowing from the future. We're borrowing from our children and our grandchildren the resources that they will need to thrive. And so a regenerative brand is one that takes that into consideration and that seeks to give back more than it takes that would do things like consider paying what a fair value is for a specific ingredient, even if it's not what it's they could get it for, let's say, right? So you might be able to buy a pound of coffee unprocessed for $3, but you should be paying six. And so, you know, just from that kind of raw material perspective, when you're getting everything from that base level so that communities can rise up so that they get to a point where they're not just always extracting and extracting too because they're just trying to get by. So what we do is we try to look at the whole picture. What does the life cycle of a product look like? What happens after it's been sold and consumed? So like take, for example, a bottle of a supplement, right? Typically, it's in a plastic bottle. That plastic bottle bottle used to be told as recyclable, right? You could go and you put this in your recycle bin and it's going to be recycled. But that's not really the truth. The truth is that if it's recycled, it's downcycled. It's downcycled into something that's lesser. And eventually, that cycle stops. You can't actually recycle it anymore. So it becomes microplastics. It's in your waterways full circle is really more the space that we want to get to. So instead, you might consider buying a supplement and a bottle that's glass because that glass bottle is inert. And that glass bottle can be recycled and it's not going to damage the ecosystems. And it can be reused even as a vase if you really wanted to, right? So there's all like I use a coffee cup for my pen jar. It's got a broken handle, but it does the job, right? Like little things like that. You think differently. And so what I'm in the midst of right now is a project I've been working on for the past year and a half, you know, having built these very successful omega-3 brands in the fish oil space, I have transitioned to working in the plant-based space and harnessing the power of algae. Algae produces oxygen as a byproduct of its existence. You feed it CO2. It's carbon negative. So if we can go to this particular source and develop ways to, to extract its nutrition, without negatively creating more, you know, pollutants and everything else, if you can do that right, then you've created something that actually does give back more than it takes and that can provide sustenance for humanity. 
So I think that's really where our headset has to be. Now, if you're applying this to any Tom, Dick and Harry business outside the world of regeneration, you really just want to think about the full life cycle of what you're doing and paying a fair wage for people along the way that are part of that progress as well. Paying the fair wage is important. So I think it was this morning. It might've been last night. I was, it was last night. I was putting some food away in a jar. I I store my food in glass jars and I was really frustrated because I couldn't get my reusable lids to fit on this jar. I actually had to find the original lid for the jar. And I just think that the, that the manufacturing around the globe could make a huge difference in, in this regenerative, you know, branding thing. If every jar had an interchangeable lid, no matter what company manufactured the product, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Because I mean, I can't be the only one who uses jars for food storage. (laughs) No, you can't be. I mean, even a ball jar, there's like numerous sizes of the neck, right? Like Uh they have the wide necked and then the more narrow necked. And I've found that I get frustrated because like, oh, well, that one got slightly rusted. So I had to recycle it and it's made of metal and that's recyclable. So it goes in the bin. Everything's okay with that. Get a new lid. Now it's got a good seal again, right? But I like to repurpose things like my pasta sauce glass jars. And those lids aren't replaceable. So it's the same story. Um, You know, what a lot of people do now is they go to beeswax um, laced cloth, which you can actually make in your oven yourself. You don't have to go and buy these. So like, let's say you have some old sheets that get a tear in them or something, but it's still perfectly good fabric. You can cut them into squares and just like lay it in a glass pan with some beeswax, put it in your oven for, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, it melts it. And like, yes, you have to clean the pan afterwards and that's a little bit of a pain, but you literally get your own beeswax like cloth that you can then use to seal something. And it only holds up for so long because then the beeswax starts to crumble away and, and you do it again. Like you just put some beeswax in there, put it back in the oven and like it happens all over again. So there's all sorts of like YouTube tutorials for how you can do this. That can be watertight as well as airtight because the beeswax essentially operates as a sealant, much like you would if you were canning with um beeswax or with any wax really i feel like i've been living under a rock i did not know about this yeah i i don't know it's something i picked up i really don't like the ones that you buy because i just feel like it's wasteful and eventually i have like even you know like a men's style button-up shirt that i like to wear and they get tattered and what do you do with it it's like if i send it to goodwill it's got a hole in it it's just gonna end up in landfill but it's a pretty fabric and I could cut it up and use it for something like that. So, you know, easy yeah, no, okay. to do. I don't get to talk about this very often because this is not the kind of podcast that I have. It's a business podcast, but I watched a documentary recently about what happens to donated clothing. Oh, God, and it's terrible. It's literally in our ocean, washes up on beaches in Africa. And mm-hmm. it's just, it just, it's mountains and mountains of clothing along the beaches of Africa. I can't remember the country, but it's just, don't donate your clothes, people. <laughs> well, if you think about, I mean, if we, if we just change our mindset and we start to think about everything we bring into our home as our responsibility, then it shifts your buying patterns, right? Because like, if you say, I'm bringing this into my home, but I'm gonna have to dispose of it in a way in which I know it's going to go to its best life cycle. I certainly keep my clothes beyond their so-called wear point. I mean, it goes from being like wear out clothes to pajama clothes to, hey, I'm going to paint in this or whatever, right? Um, But that's because like so much of the clothing we wear isn't something that we'd really buy secondhand, right? 
And then another thing um, to really kind of keep in mind, like sneakers, as a for example, I go through a lot of sneakers because I, I go for a lot of hikes, a lot of runs. I used to run marathons. Those days are over because I have bunions now. Yay. But I found that a local shoe shop that actually specializes in running shoes, they recycle the shoes into tracks for um, high schools and colleges. So they take the soles, the rubber, and they repurpose it for that specifically. And so I always take my used shoes and I take them there because otherwise they would end up in the trash because there's no real way to otherwise recycle them. And then there's this other company called TerraCycle where you can actually get a box from them and it's like a pre it's preformed box that you fill and you buy by size and anything that you put in there you just ship back to them and they will find out a way to recycle or reuse the materials that are in it even things like a comforter that you might have they'll figure out a way to reuse the batting inside it it may become um, the architecture of a cushion that ends up then later being resold into the marketplace and so i think it's powerful to think about how we can really make use of the things that we buy you go to our local communities to try and capture items that might not be in their first use if it's something that you don't need new like furniture is a great example right um, and then really kind of just think about when you have to dispose of something taking more responsibility for that i used to work for a sporting goods a chain of sporting goods stores and we were building a new store and we put in um flooring this was this was 20 or 25 years ago oh i've been married for 25 years so this was 25 years ago um, <laughs> holy crap uh, and it was flooring that was made from recycled shoes it was um a partner with partnership with nike because uh, mm -hmm. nike was one of our vendors um and it was just really it was really cool then i mean that was 25 years ago that these this and the technology has really come a long way i again i'm gonna i'm just you know i yeah i'm a documentary addict so i watched another documentary about a woman in Africa who has developed a way to recycle plastic into pa road pavers. So you, she mm. she turns the plastic into bricks that can be used to make roads. I mean, it just the there are ideas. We there are things that we do not know today mm -hmm. that are going to be standard across the board in the future. Yep. And someone's going to hear. Are melting them into bricks to make houses from so that's happening too like these are all things that can be done with plastics but we have such a mountain of plastic to work through that there's there's just too much in existence today and we keep yeah. making new virgin plastic at the same time yeah. there are technologies that are coming out a couple of which are detailed in paul hawkins book regeneration where they're able to make old plastic old plastic or recycled plastic like new so it's like virgin plastic but the technologies are very new they're not out there yet and so it's just a matter of like what's in science phase versus what's in actually manufacturing phase and when we go through and we recycle things there's always an ecological and environmental cost to that too because typically heat is required where's the energy coming from you know typically also they might release some pollutants or create more carbon. So what is the impact of that? So, I mean, really, again, thinking about the things that you have for durability, buying clothing that way, or even choosing when you're a company to create something that's more marketing oriented, create something that is useful and that will stand the test of time. You know, don't buy the $5 t-shirt that was made on the backs of somebody else that you can get for the cheapest uh, baseline price just because 
you know, because somebody paid for that. They paid for it with their lifestyle. They paid for it with their livelihood. They, they paid for it by being underpaid and undernourished and in an environment that isn't healthy for them or their families either. And so if we think about that and we think more about like the world that our grandparents lived in, like really, where things were manufactured to last and where people had pride of ownership, where they might even have gifted that KitchenAid mixer down to their children and their children's children. I mean, I have one of those KitchenAid mixers, you know, um, then I think we can actually be in a space in a world where regeneration isn't just this ethereal concept. It's something that we've ingrained in our society and into our business practices so that we aren't just willy nilly with the money we spend and with the things that we buy and this consumerist kind of world. So I'm wearing a pair of Birkenstocks that are probably 25, 30 <laughs> years old, right? I'm wearing them right now. I'm sure uh, they're very comfortable. They, they are. Well, I don't wear them in public. <laughs> they never leave the house, but they are. I mean, they've got that negative heel. And so they're just really nice to stand, um, you know, stand on it. But these, they probably cost me $250 back then. Wow. Which means I've paid $10 a year to own these shoes. Right? Wow. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Well, and now I'm also thinking about, um, I had this, I had these two identical sleeveless shirts. They were a uh, really high quality knit, super comfortable, very well made. You know, they, um, I don't, I'm not a seamstress, so I don't know the terms, but they had like tape along the seams. And, oh yeah. And then mm -hmm. they had those little hooks so that you, you hook it on your bra and so mm -hmm. it doesn't fall off your shoulders. Um, mm -hmm. I swear I wore these shirts for 15 years. They were $99 mm -hmm. each. I wore them for 15 years, right? So I totally agree with you that if you spend just a little bit extra money, you get a lot of more wear out of something, but it's also timeless. Pick those timeless yeah. designs. Now, I just wanted to share a story though. I'm wearing this shirt. This was actually a promotional shirt from a Vitamin Angels um, event that they hosted in New Jersey, I think about 10 years ago at this point. Um, it has an embroidered logo in the bottom right corner, but you know, when I'm wearing it for something like this, you wouldn't see it, right? So I'm like, whatever, it's a black shirt. It is microfiber, right? But it's black, it's simple, it goes with a lot of things. And if I'm going to be doing a call like this, I dress it up with like something like a scarf. This one was made by my mother-in-law, right? So it's like, it just makes me feel like I'm with me the faith and love of people or the experience that I have. Like, yes, I remember the only day I've ever golfed in my life. I did it for charity. I did it with the vitamin angels. And I ended up with the worst blisters on my left hand because I thought like, really, who needs this like glove? Like, I'm not going to buy it. It's just like a $40 for one glove, right? I learned quickly why you needed the one glove. But it was the only time I ever golfed. And, you know, I wouldn't have used it again. <laughs> So Vitamin Angels, is that the company that you're, is that your company? Vitamin Angels? No, no, they are a not-for-profit. What they do is they um, have a, a basic mission of ending infant blindness and now infant mortality that's nutrient related around the world. And so they go to communities around the globe and make sure that the mother gets sufficient nutrition, vaccinations, and basic health care 
prenatally and during early infancy, they've been able to end infant blindness and they're now on track to end nutri nutrition-related infant mortality as well. And so it's just a company I believe a lot in and they um, are a not-for-profit. They're based in Santa Barbara. I've worked with them in a variety of capacities over the years from a sponsorship perspective, like where for every bottle of a supplement I would sell, they would get a quarter or something like that as our cause partners. And we also, when I was leading the charge at Nordic Natural, we had um, participated in this program called Thrive to Five, where we would essentially provide educational and also nutrient resources to people in different communities so that they could thrive through the age of five. And um, that was a really fun initiative to take on. I was invited to go with Vitamin Angels on these field trips where they would actually go to um, Haiti or to Honduras or Nicaragua or, you know, the Dominican Republic or into Peru, but it never worked out with timing. Like I always had some business thing I couldn't do or I was pregnant and I didn't want to travel where there was Zika virus or whatever, you know, it's like life sometimes intervened. <laughs> think, really think about that Zika virus. We don't have to worry about that here in the USA. We don't have to worry about our kids being born without a brain. Yeah, you if know? you're in Houston, like there's there's been some Zika virus there too. And I actually, at the time where I was pregnant and my boss didn't know, worked for a company that was Houston based. So I was like really trying not to go to Houston. <laughs> but I didn't, um, I didn't know that I used to live in Houston. I had no idea. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's the bugs migrate. They migrate with people, they get in airplanes too. And so I don't know if you've had the experience of traveling internationally, but I've been as far um, east as, uh, what was that country? Anyway, um, this is like off in Asia. And I remember the flight attendants coming through at the beginning of the flight and spraying on the plane. And they're spraying bug killer on the plane before they take off. I was like, this is really gross. Like, I don't like that they're doing this, but I understand why, you know? Because, you know, the passengers could have brought it on with their shoes. Exactly. Or it just travels on your clothing. You have a mosquito on your shoulder that you don't see and you get on the plane, you know? Yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been in an international flight since I was a teenager, hmm. but I have traveled. I have traveled a lot, uh, just not since I was young. My dad worked for the military. So one of the benefits of being a military brat is that you get to see the world and meet interesting people. You definitely people. do. Yeah. You get to meet interesting people. Um, I, this is completely uh, controversial, but I kind of like the idea of, um, oh, what's the word? Compulsory service, not just, mm. not just military, because compulsory service can also be, you know, AmeriCorps or Peace Corps or something like mm -hmm. that. But the idea of every single American having to spend two years of their lives learning how to serve other people, not just mm -hmm. being, you know, selfish, which is what a lot of us are. Is, mm -hmm. is it, it's an interesting idea because I really do believe that I, I never, I didn't serve, but I've been a volunteer my whole life. Um, you know, I, I give just like you, I give back with service. And, yeah. um, um, but I really think that my experience as a kid who always had people around me with different cultures, different backgrounds, different ideas. Okay. So we have um, a couple of things in common. I wanted to be an anthropologist when I was in college. I went to college to become an anthropologist. Didn't happen. Mm. And I have been, you and I share this. I've emceed a fashion show. I've also <laughs> been, I've also been a model in a fashion show and I've been the, the behind the scenes person that makes sure the models get out. Right. So 
my favorite thing with the fashion show was not being a model, not being the MC, but actually being the person who made sure the models looked good when they walked out on, on the floor. Oh, yeah. I don't know that yeah. support, that support, but it, you know, it just seems so, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's just people think, oh, we fashion show, but it's actually a lot of fun. So it is a lot of fun. Well, and mine was a little racy. I don't know <laughs> if yours was, but, um, mm-hmm. my, my girlfriend, um, Shannon Collins um, and her husband, Ken, they own this um, this sex shop in Santa Cruz called Camouflage. And so in the front is all lingerie and costumes and feather boas and, and some dresses and fun stuff, like some really nice, like kind of pretty 50s style, but newly made dresses. And then in the back was all the racy stuff, right? And so um, they did a fashion show every Valentine's Day and Halloween. Those were their two biggest peaks of the year. And so I emceed for one of them last minute because they had a cancellation and I had experience doing that sort of thing, you know, in media. So I'm like, well, how hard can it be? The thing that made it really hard was that one of the models was actually someone I worked with um, professionally. And so he was, um, he's a big wave surfer named Shane Desmond. And so he's like, he competes every year at Mavericks and Nordic Naturals, the company I used to work for and lead, um, sponsored him. Right. So he comes out wearing nothing, like almost nothing. Right. <laughs> and I have this cue of the things that I'm supposed to say. So I say, and, and Shane is wearing not much. <laughs> it just... I mean, it was hilarious. It was a very, you know, just I I went with the humor of it and just made it into like something kind of jovial and silly. But it was um, one of the most nerve wracking moments of my life because it's like you didn't have the realization until the person's coming out. You're like, oh, my God. (laughs) That is hilarious. That is so hilarious. Some of my best memories of being a teenager are in Santa Cruz. Mm. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you I'm from California, did I? No, you didn't. Where are you from? I grew up in, in Castroville. Do you know where that is? Yeah, I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I grew up in Castroville, which is the artichoke capital of the world. I always tell people- Marilyn from- Monroe, right? <laughs> exactly. She was the first mm-hmm. artichoke queen. Um, and my sister was runner up for artichoke queen one year. So um, I always normally tell people I'm, I'm from Monterey because, you know, Castroville is such a, it's a blip. It's a little blip. And literally it's surrounding community. It's yeah. It's surrounded by strawberry fields and artichoke fields. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but, but just a little tiny smidge away is Zamdowski beach and Santa Cruz is really quick drive. Monterey's quick drive, you know, and mm-hmm. it's right along highway one, which is the most beautiful highway in the United it's States. The most, yes, absolutely. So I, I had a, um, I had a Volkswagen rabbit convertible. It was a rabbit, not a cabriolet. It was a rabbit convertible. <laughs> and I would drive up and down with the top off. And my favorite time to drive with the top down was at night with the stars above me. And oh, just, yeah. uh, so, and because in California, you know, you, we, there were seasons, it's warm and not so warm. Those are two mm-hmm. seasons, right? Yeah, warm and not so warm. That's <laughs> warm right. and not so warm. And I, you know, I would just drive at night with the top down and just oh, smell the ocean breeze. I, I do kind of miss living in California. Is there anything that you would like to promote or share? Or is there a question I didn't ask you that you want to answer? Yeah, that's a question I love to ask in my own podcast, because I feel like sometimes that's when you get the biggest breadcrumbs of joy, so to speak, you know. Um, What I will say is that I am just in love with podcasting. I think that it is 
an incredible way to get your voice into the world. It's also a great way to practice kind of what your message is and get to know what you want your future to be. And so if anybody listening has ever thought, you know, huh, I wonder what that would be like. I'm, I'm currently supporting that journey for people. And so I um, started a second podcast called The Media Casters, um, which has also become a community and a pseudo production company. We're actually helping people launch their ideas into the world through both podcasting, publishing, writing books, and also through public speaking. Um, I'm going to be speaking at PodFest in a couple months time. So anybody going to that, if you are going, please come see me. My partner with the media casters, Julie Loken and myself are going to be on stage talking about the power of community and how you can leverage community to grow your street credibility, your audiences, and really build a foundational support system to be able to not go it alone because it's my belief that none of us should have to. So if people want to listen to my podcasts, that would be awesome. I love my Care More Be Better show. It's my first baby in the world. Um, the Media Casters is my second baby into the world of podcasting. And um, yeah, it's I'm even launching a third soon in the nutrition space. So I get to talk about everything I know in nutrition, which will be fun. It's the first one related to my actual day job. <laughs> this morning I was talking. Okay, first of all, thank you, because I think I stole your that question from you. Oh, hey, I'm, pretty, cool. I'm pretty sure I stole that question from you and it's going into my regular rotation. So thank you. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Actually, I like I, it. I had to have because I picked it up from somebody. So it must have been you because I, you know, <laughs> um, I really did enjoy the uh, the episode of Care More Be Better that I listened to. It was with um, peanut butter and politics. No, bacon oh. and politics. <laughs> yeah, sex, sex and bacon. bacon. <laughs> Sex, bacon, and politics. Abby Grain, she's incredible. So, I mean, this woman is like a dynamo in the world of politics. She really just is passionate about helping people get the vote out and working on campaigns. Um, and she's also a lawyer. So she's got like a very good educational background, really smart, really good sense of humor. So, you know, she has a podcast called Sex, Politics, and Bacon. And sometimes sex is, you know, talking more feminism and equal pay for equal work. And sometimes bacon is just talking about what dishes you like or the fact that she named her son bacon. So well, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun I mean, name. it's his middle name, but still that's, that's something, you know, <laughs> well, Francis Bacon science, right? That's right. right. You, 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 can, you could, you can have any spin on that. It was a really good episode. And I enjoyed it. Um, it was I actually fun. Wish, that was a fun one. I loved I actually, that episode. I really wish I could talk about politics. Um, maybe I should start another podcast where it's politics. <laughs> well, I could help you launch that. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think that sometimes keeping your shows as pure as possible is important. Um, but, you know, people want to hear your voice. They want to hear from you. And and I, I certainly have a challenge in even talking about politics on my podcast because I think sometimes it can be polarizing and you can alienate people. So the the running thread that I tend to bring in every time I do talk about politics on my own podcast is to really invite people to open discourse because I think disagreement is healthy and we have way more in common than we ever have separate. So even if you're on opposite sides of an issue, it's I think important to hear one another out and understand perspective and respect one another's viewpoint instead of you know, just automatically kind of just choosing to butt heads with one another. And I think if you can take that approach while talking about political issues, then suddenly, you know, you've opened yourself to having a more kind of freeing conversation. Sometimes there's things you're not going to agree on ever, right? They're going to be like deal breakers for you. 
And that's okay too, right? It's time to wrap up. I always like to end the same way. Thank you for letting me steal your question about tell us something that you want us to know that I haven't asked you yet. Because that has been added to my rotation of questions that I ask. And really, I only have three now. I was two and now it's three. Um, but I always end with the same question. So tell us who or what you're most grateful for. Share your moment of gratitude. Honestly, I'm most grateful for my body, for my ability to be in this world today, to move around with freedom and to have the ability to go out into the great outdoors and experience nature. I think that's the thing I'm most grateful for. It's enabled me to bear children, run marathons, travel the world, walk innumerable miles and see perspectives from other spots in the globe. So I'm very thankful for that. Thanks for joining us this week for Gratitude Geek, the relationship marketing podcast, helping micropreneurs find your micro-influencer magic. Be sure to check the show notes at gratitudegeek.com, episode 113, for links to all the groovy resources mentioned today, and of course, to connect with Karina Belize. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the show on Audible, iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast players? It's easy and would mean the world to me. Our theme music is track 14 by Rev Brock and Solily. I've been your host, Candice Rodardi. Join me on my mission to spread gratitude, sow seeds of appreciation, and harvest a bounty of generosity and kindness. Stay groovy, my friends. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.